Hi everyone, welcome to the Ref6 Weekly Vlogcast. We've got um, a great show in store for you with um, some guests from, you guessed it, Sussex. So um, I'm Hassan, uh, I'm your regular co-host. Uh, John is here with me. Hi. Um, and then today we've got uh, referees uh, Jake Woodman and Joel Lamping. Jake, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Jake Woodman. Uh, I'm a level three referee uh, in and about Sussex. Brilliant. Joel? Hi, uh, yeah, I'm Joel, Joel Lampin. I referee in the Supply League and then do the line in the Eastman League as well. Brilliant. Thanks for giving up some time. Um, it should be a busy day today because uh, we've got Boris coming out later today to talk about the changes that are happening in England around um, how we proceed after lockdown finishes. And a lot of the talk is around uh, grassroots game getting back, um, you know, other things around life getting back to a little bit of normality, but the grassroots game going ahead. But Jake, have you had many games during this period it's as a level three or none at all? So I've had a handful right at the beginning um, of the second lockdown. Uh, and then I tested positive for COVID-19. So I had to isolate for the last uh, 10 days. So I missed out on two games last week. Oh, so hopefully back at it at the end of the week. And then uh, looking forward to Feeling okay though? You were you were absolutely fine or had some symptoms? I, as far as I'm aware, I've not had any symptoms. Okay, interesting. Um, it was a bit of a random test for the Women's Super League and it just happened that it came out positive. So uh, me and my family have been in isolation for the last 10 days. Brilliant. So in terms of the Women's Super League, are they doing, is that a process they're doing for every game now? They're getting every official tested, every player tested? Yeah, so this has been the process since the beginning of the season. Uh, all players are tested, all referees are tested. Uh, as far as I'm aware, everyone that goes to the ground has to be tested. Um, so we get a test that's sent to us uh, just seven days in advance. So if we have a game the following Sunday, the test will turn up at your door on the Saturday before the week before. Yep. It then needs to be done at home, put in the post by Monday. And then the way it works is if the FA contact you, you tested positive. If they don't contact you, you're negative. Okay. Uh, and then we have to do a seven-day symptom tracker before, just with temperature, um, if we feel any symptoms, if we come across anyone with COVID. Interesting. Yeah, a whole different uh, process to uh, pre-match then on the Women's Super League. I guess that's what the elite guys are doing on the, on the Football League as well, no doubt. Um, brilliant. Yeah, thanks for... Thanks for joining. There was quite a lot that happened over the weekend in terms of the Premier League. Um, I'll just start with the UEFA uh, Man in the Middle documentary. Episode two came out this morning. So if you haven't seen that, definitely uh, download the UEFA TV app. It's free to register and you can get to see behind the scenes on episode two. A great show. A couple more episodes coming over the next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, in terms of the Premier League, John, what, what incidents were there? There was tons of different VAR in incidents. Uh, have you got any that you remember? Uh, yeah, so we had a overturned penalty in the Westbourne Man United game. Uh, Conor Gallagher went down under a challenge. I can't remember who by, and a penalty was given. Uh, the referee went over to the monitor and overturned it. Um, similar in the Brighton game, um, like four hours before, um, Solly March made a tackle um, uh, and allegedly missed the ball, got the man, referee gave a penalty, went over to the monitor, 
saw that Solimarch got the ball and then overturned it. Yeah. And then again in the Man United game, we had a penalty retake because uh, Sam Johnston was off his line uh, when he saved the ball. So we've had a lot of penalty overturns this week. Yeah, it's than... crazy. I don't think I've seen many before. Um, and I find them really interesting because of the restart, right? So the restart should be a drop ball to your goalkeeper, to the goalkeeper, yeah. right? Yeah, but I think the referee gave a f- or found a free kick in one of them. Okay. So there was a free kick going the other way, so there was a... So yeah, I just find, yeah. find it interesting if you give a penalty and then you have to overturn it. Technically, the play could have continued, right? So you never know what, what's yeah. going to happen. So the drop ball is the, the one. But um, we got a lot of uh, emails from, uh, I guess, listeners to the podcast who wanted us to specifically talk about the MLS. Um, so it was a penalty shootout, one of their playoff games between Orlando and I don't know what the other team was. I just remember Nanny was playing. New York City. Was it New York City? Yes, it was New York City. Yeah. And the final penalty that <clears throat> Orlando were, uh, New York City had, they, the, the player stepped up, stepped up, the goalkeeper saved it, but the goalkeeper came off his line. Um, that would have been the winning penalty. And the team went off to celebrate. But what had happened was the goalkeeper stepped off his line and the referee ordered a retake. And I don't think it's too clear where, whether it was the assistant referee or the VAR or if it was a referee who specifically called it. But it was a correct decision. The, the goalkeeper came off his line. Very similar to, John, what you mentioned about the uh, goalkeeper at West Brom Manu where he came off the line. And so here's the interesting... I'll talk through what happened and then we can talk about the nuances of law and what was correct or not. So first thing was the goalkeeper for coming off the line received a yellow card. He was then sent, sent off from the pitch because he'd already received a yellow card during the 90 minutes of play. Um, at, what, at that time then, the, the Orlando team decided to substitute one of their players for a goalkeeper to replace them to put that goalkeeper in for the remaining uh, penalty kicks. Um, next, what happened was the official had realized that, oh, wait a minute, the um, Orlando had actually used all of their substitutions during the game and weren't able to make that substitution. So therefore, ordered the goalkeeper off the pitch and a outfield player had to go in goal to uh, be the goalkeeper for Orlando. The New York City player retook the penalty, scored, Orlando then took, it went into sudden death. Orlando then, uh, Nani took another penalty and missed it. Um, And then it it just kept carrying carrying on. And then the standing goalkeeper actually saved it. And Orlando finally won. So the interesting parts or nuance to law that are interesting are, well, we talked about the West Brom Man U game where the goalkeeper came off the line, made the save, but he didn't receive a yellow card. So why is that? Do you want to, Jake? Do you want to go through why that's the case? It's pretty. So one of the reasons why he didn't receive a yellow card was because the MLS are still currently playing under last year's laws of the game. This is due to them actually starting in February, and it was postponed throughout the COVID pandemic. And so obviously they've only just restarted. So due to that, they've got to carry on with the laws of the game from last season, where the Premier League because it started in August, or at the end of August, beginning of September, they obviously start from this season, laws of the game. So obviously, in the between the two editions, there have been some changes in and around goalkeeper movement and retakes 
when a goalkeeper or an attacking player infringes to prevent a goal or to in, in order for them to gain an advantage. So, yeah, you're spot on. MLS, pretty much every season, actually, uh, follow what we would describe as the old laws when it comes to this time of the year because their season starts in February, new laws come out in June, July, and hence why. So the yellow card was correctly authorised for the goalkeeper of Orlando and correctly not authorised for the the uh, West Brom goalkeeper. So even though same same day, same incident, different outcome just because of the nuance of the laws okay so next stage was it was his second yellow card and he received a red card so joel do you want to talk about what would happen this season if that happened yes so obviously with when it comes to disciplinary action if um, the keeper comes off the line in the laws of the game this season so like i said the premier league um it would actually be down as a warning so therefore in the mls if they were following uh, the laws this season, the goalkeeper would not have been dismissed and therefore would have been able to continue. Yeah. Um, and then had a, let's say, a second opportunity to make a save. Um, sure. Obviously, from the first infringement, as I say, you get a warning um, from that. Cool. And then the, the other ad- additional piece here is that for kicks from the penalty mark, the new laws state that if you received a yellow card during the 90 minutes or during the extra time, that is basically wiped out for kicks from the penalty mark. So what would have happened if that penalty incident happened in this new law would be the kick would have been ordered to be retaken. The goalkeeper would have been warned, but not sent off, right? Uh, Or not received a yellow card. Then if, let's play it out, if he made the same incident again, came off his line, then he would have been given a yellow card. He would have had a yellow card from the 90 minutes, still wouldn't have been sent off because the kicks from the penalty mark reset your yellow card so actually he would have been able to get another two chances to make that to make that save so um really really interesting nuance and i think that kind of shows why the law was changed was for you know this they've changed the law in terms of how much movement you can have off the pitch as a goalkeeper um so but they think it's a bit too harsh to give you you know, a yellow card for just that movement. So the warning helps, right? And then all of the, you know, there's so many different changes and 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 nuance in law that have happened from last year to this year, and it's all been summed up on this one incident. And it's a pretty good one from a refereeing perspective. The only kind of mistake, John, I think, was the sub, right? Allowing that to happen. How do we prevent that at our level? Um, like we said last week, in the like couple appointments, check all the competition rules beforehand. What I would do is talk to my assistants. You know, both teams go off and pick their penalty takers and you have like five or six minutes to talk to your assistant. Just go over with everyone and be like, so this is what happens. This is what they can do. This is what they can't do. So you're all in that same mm-hmm. mindset. You're all, all on the same page. Um, and then obviously, if something like that, that does happen, it sh- well, it shouldn't happen if you have a chat about it beforehand and not just sort of be like, yeah, okay, pens. Yeah. Um, just have a quick chat. And so another peace of mind. Another pre-match, basically, just for that short period of the kicks from the penalty. Mark, yeah, right? yeah. Jake, do you do that? The, well, I was under the assumption that it was a laws of the game thing rather than a competition rule. That a substitution can't be made throughout penalty kicks. Hence, why you always see substitutes be made before the end of the one hundred and twenty minutes as you go into a penalty kick. Yeah. So yeah, but then 
hopefully you're doing the same thing, aren't you? You're having a chat with your assistants about the laws of the game or penalty kicks because they, right, okay. they've, they've changed, haven't they, a couple of times over the next yeah, yeah, over yeah. the last couple of years. So you just have that quick chat. I do it all the time because I forget because I never really go to level needed penalties that often. So you're always double-checking like what they can and can't do with each other, not just because of the competition rules, but obviously because of the laws as well. Yeah, I'm frantically, frantic, frantically searching IFAB right now, but I believe you can make a substitute, a substitution in um, kicks from ten, penalty marks should a player get injured. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and as long as you have, I believe, a substitute able to happen. Yeah. Um, and possibly for red cards, I'm not sure about goalkeepers, so we, we, I'll frantically check that in the background as we go through the next conversation and chat. But it's a very, these are very kind of, specific niche cases right you, you're getting to a point where you know goalkeepers mm. having yellow cards in the game are rare in itself for it to go to a penalties and you have to give another yellow card it's mm. it's crazy but sorry mate go on, Joe. um was there any red cards during the 90 minutes of the game uh good question i don't believe so you're going to ask how do they even up the the penalties yeah, no, right just adding on to um, what john was just saying really well was just obviously another thing you need to be aware of is if you have any, sorry, my phone now. Um, <laughs> if you have any um, dismissals during the match, obviously you need to equal the number for the penalty shootout. So it's another thing, just adding to what Jake and John were just saying, you need to be aware and you need to be on it with your assistants after your 90 minutes that you still have a bit to, um, a part to play. Yeah. Use them awareness levels. And this is why it's so key to um, just consistently. You know, go over the laws of the game. A lot of people say, I know this, I know that. But the laws are changing every season. And therefore, we need to make sure we're on it and just, you know, staying active and being aware of what changes are made and how we need to act in these scenarios. So I can actually talk about a penalty, uh, kicks from penalty mark, where I made a mistake. And I think this will, well, everyone knows I'm human, but uh, this will help. So when you're the junior assistant in, the, in, the, in, these, in these shootouts, they, you stand in the, in the center circle with the rest of the players, right? And in most cases, you wish you were the goal judge because it's something extra to do, right? I, I'm pretty confident everyone feels that way. You don't want to be stuck at, uh, in the center circle. And uh, I guess I left my uh, head. This was a youth tournament abroad in Portugal, one of these tournaments abroad, Iber Cup things. And um, rolling subs. So we didn't really keep track of who was meant to be on the pitch at the end of the game and anyway one of the substitute goalkeepers took a penalty even though he wasn't playing he didn't play in the game and for some reason it just didn't clock to me so it's so important that um you as the junior assistant if you're in that sense circle you've not you're keeping track you're that that helping hand to the referee to know okay is this player walking up from the halfway line eligible to take a penalty kick or not um so that was a a mistake that I made a long time ago. It got picked up by only one person, and uh, I got a nice bollocking for that. But definitely, uh, definitely <laughs> something. To think about. now, though, haven't you? I bet you the, bet the same mistake hasn't happened again. Yeah, I think that's the case with everything we talk about. Right? Is any time you make a mistake, you just remember it. You remember it better than the good decisions. So you're that goalkeeper's team win. Uh, possibly, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll keep that quiet. But yeah, it was a. Uh, was an interesting an interesting one one that i never thought about right but it was my mistake but also there there was a this is where as officials you need to take the lead because 
at that point, I was probably a bit too young where like all of a sudden the managers, all the players were on the pitch. Everyone was on the pitch wanting to be there. And as a young official, it can be quite intimidating to tell the parents to go back and to really get to grips with it. And that's one thing I learned from that is really have to own that, that, that kind of role. So, yeah, so that was a interesting one from the MLS. Um, basically, I think they were correct in every, the, the officials were correct in every sense. They, you know, allowed the goalkeeper to come on, but picked it up before the penalty could be taken. So everyone's happy. I think it just, you know, obviously uh, got some attention for, for the, the nuance of the game. So cool. Going back to what you said, Joel, sorry, the center half for Orlando City, the center half. Oh, was he? He was sent. He, he in another little thing. <laughs> yeah. So then all of a sudden you, you've got to remember how many, players from the from both teams have been sent off who are the nominees for the other team not to take penalties in, in that shootout so lots of lots of different things there mm. crazy those those are the ones that are going to be on the laws of the game test next year for sure yeah uh, 100% um, that cool once every 1 million games <laughs> yeah it should be well away <laughs> yeah exactly so w- one thing we wanted to talk about this week uh, in terms of our main topic was uh, mass confrontation so the last few weeks have been talking about pre-match what you tell your assistants um, and we touched on mass, mass confrontation but what we want to know is kind of what you tell your assistants but then actually processes for in the game how you deal with it when whether you're a referee whether you're an assistant referee when do you know when to come in or not so I'm gonna we, we've heard kind of mine and John's pre-match last few weeks so in terms of just specifically mis- con- um, mass confrontation Joel do you want to start with what you what you tell your assistants? Yeah so um, firstly obviously we've working with a majority of uh, different officials at a variety of different ages there's no rights or wrongs when it comes to instructions for a mass confrontation um, the most important thing is obviously getting the correct outcome and getting as much as you can um, in and so I would say this is certainly one of the most difficult uh, situations to manage mm-hmm. because whether it's five players, whether it's 22 players, okay, it is a real challenge. Um, as I said, there's no rights or wrongs. Me personally, uh, as the man in the middle, I am looking at the player who started the mass con, okay, was this a foul, okay, is it something which could have been prevented, is something I'd look at later on. Um, and then you just got to look at the player, who's the one who's reacted and who's the ones who are getting involved because it's a situation where it's so easy to go because of what's happened, a red card is what's expected a majority of the time, when actually that might not necessarily be from the offence which was committed in the first place, but actually the red card is more going from the reaction. So firstly, what I'd say is later on, can you prevent that situation in the first place? Was it something where, oh, I thought I'd allow play to continue because I thought, oh, it could have been, couldn't have been. Suddenly, you've had a massive challenge come in within the next 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. And actually, you say to yourself in your head, if I gave that foul 15 seconds ago, I've stopped that happening. Yeah. We've saved ourselves five bookings and two red cards, just for example. Um, so what I'd say to my assistants personally is... Um, up to five players, you can leave with me. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm confident in myself that I can manage up to five players when it comes to a handbag, mask, mini mask on, however we want to word it. Um, anything after that, 
I'm wanting my assistants to come onto the field of play. Um, even the one who's bench side, um, I understand managers, uh, team officials can be uh, frustrating and heated at the time. They're expecting you to do your job the best you can. And at the same time, the emotions kicking in with them wanting to win. Um, however, my priority is the safety of the players on the field of play. So I want the correct decision there. So we're managing the situation. We're not standing together as officials holding hands. We're standing in a good position. I've worked with officials who have said, I want you to watch the home team, you to watch the away team, and then we'll come together and reds first, yellow second, blah, 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 blah. But to me, I disagree because if I've asked you to look at blue and I've asked you to look at red, but you've seen a red smack someone, he's yeah. going to tell me later on after the game, oh, I did see that, but you told me to do this. Do you know what I mean? Sure, yeah. That's um, so... I tell them to manage it how they want to manage it. Now, this could be from taking boots, tape, uh, numbers, look, hair colour. It's up to you how you manage it. It's what works for you. Some people like to write down. Some people like to just take it in their head. Me, personally, I'm taking colour and number. Okay, so mm -hmm. blue, seven, red, six, just for example. So I'm saying that constantly in my head. Um, sadly we have had uh, one this season I was on the line I'm not going to name the fixture but we had a situation where we've got 22 players going for it in a game yeah. um, from a red card challenge in my opinion um, and I've had players running at me giving their opinion in an aggressive way if you like and I'm honestly just keeping my eyes on these two players which I had in my head that's two red cards for violent conduct so I'm looking this way and I'm saying, go away, go away, which isn't what that player wants to hear. And I respect that. However, yeah. if this gets the correct outcome when I give the referee the information I have, then I've done my job in my opinion. Do you know what I mean? So hopefully that, that gives the listeners uh, an idea of how I would manage a mask on in my game. Um, not to say it's right. Obviously, there's more things you could do, less things. But don't do too much. Don't go looking for things and... Just because we've had this, it has to be three red cards and the game goes the way it does. But just with whatever you see, take your time, be calm, speak to your assistants. Have you got anything for me? And then we can uh, agree. And then obviously make sure you remember the restart as well, which I understand after mm. a mask on is not the thing you know, you're thinking about as much. But again, you've got to be uh, considering, right, why did we stop the game in the first place? You know what I mean? Hopefully that helped. Perfect, Joel. Thank you. Uh, we can end the podcast there. No, I'm joking. <laughs> we'll, what we'll do, we're, we're going to dive deeper into little parts of that uh, as, we, as we go through this conversation. But thanks for that overview. It's great. Um, Jake, in terms of what Joel said, what other things, were there anything different that you would do in a pre-match when you're talking to your assistants? Is there, um, Joel mentioned the, you know, uh, some officials and I think we actually had someone last week say that they they say you take one assistant take home one take away and actually Joel's point is very correct is like okay well if you've asked me to take away and I see a punch for the 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 home team do I not say that as the assistant blah 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 so Jake tell, talk us through what you say to your assistants um, from a mass con specifically so my pre-match is very similar to what Joel's is um I kind of focus on around looking after the guys that we've got on the pitch. Um, very similar to the fact that um, a handful of players leave me, I'm more than happy to crack on with it. 
Um, if we're starting to up the numbers up to about 10, then those then the other assistant that's closest to the to the incident, I'll be looking at you to then make your way into the field of play, pick yourself up a decent position. If we're then starting to talk a, a good 11 to 22 players, yeah. then I'm expecting all three of us to be on the pitch. Um, I'm not one of these that goes, I want the senior assistant to stay on the benches because naturally, AR2, as they walk across the field of play, will have a glimpse of what's going on over there. So they will be able to see or have a good idea on what movement other benches, people in the benches might be going for. So, but at the end of that, I'm very similar to Joel where most importantly, we get get it right on the green first. If we can get the guys on the bench as well and there's something going on in there, fantastic. But mainly, I want to make sure that we get the instigator, the retaliator, and also we need, we need to keep an eye out for the guy that runs 30 yards. Yeah. And the one that runs 30 yards traditionally is in a different colour shirt and has a big set of gloves on. Yeah. So for me, he's he's the guy that I'm looking out for because he's very quick to get in and he's also very quick to get out. Um, I've had it. I've had quite a few experiences. Um, when I was a level five, I was on the line uh, at a club, and there was a massive mass comp. Um, and that the instigator decided to hide behind eleven the other eleven players on the pitch, uh-huh. and he literally ducked down behind all of them so the referee couldn't pick him out. Yeah. And me and the other assistant obviously saw what had happened and he thought that he'd got away with it because he's hiding, no one can see him, he's done his bit, he's then gone away. Um, to which then he obviously wasn't too happy to be told that actually we see where you are <laughs> and you're, uh, you're, you're off. Um, but no, I think it's, it's one of those, a mass con's very difficult um, to try and gauge. I had one early doors this season um, and it wasn't, a great experience. I think it's one of those things where you can you can do one of two things. You can either keep it cool, try and stay relaxed and try and control the system, or you run straight in and you start blowing your whistle and you start getting what you could call RC. Mm-hmm. And from, from my experience, it doesn't work. If yeah. you go in and you're nice, calm and relaxed about it and you look as if you own the situation, then even if you know deep down that you've got no control over what these 22 players are doing, the perception is to everyone else that actually you've got this under control. Yeah. Do you have to tell so, yourself in your head, remind yourself, stay calm, don't like, yeah. it's hard, <laughs> right? Cause sometimes you just want yeah. to go in, like you said, like a ball in a china shop, but yeah. So like, do you, do you me, speak yourself example, in your head? Yeah. And for me, for example, I don't, I see, you see referees that run in and blow the whistle five, 10, 15 times. For me, if it's not working after three or four, why are you blowing it? There's yeah. no need. You're not. All you're doing is bringing attention to yourself. If you give it a couple of blows and it's working, great. Try and use it. If you give it a couple of blows and they're not interested, stop blowing it. Yeah. All, all it's going to do is give everyone else a headache, and it's not actually a useful tool. Um, and for me, if that's a situation where it's not being a useful tool, the first thing I try and grab hold of is a skipper. Sure. Is in a way in a home skipper right, you get your boys out, you get your boys out, and we can deal with this. And nine times out of ten, they're quite happy and go, yeah, not a problem, because they see that you're taking control of the situation that you're in. 
um, even if you're obviously because there are situations where you cause the mass confrontation because you you've not done something or something has you've allowed gone, play to continue like you've allowed bit. play to yeah so at least then if you say to a skipper I'm trying to get this under control if you're trying if they see you as trying to help them and vice versa able to pull someone out and they can kind of help help you control the situation do do you <laughs> that works as long as the captain's not the one at the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, one, the one that's had the challenge but yeah no, that's great, great, great points. I think um, the one I really liked was the, the the assistant opposite the dugouts has probably got a better view than the assistant at the dugouts, right? Because you want both people to be looking forward. You don't want yeah. your senior assistant turn around being um, distracted by what's going on behind. So that's a really interesting point. It's definitely somewhat, something for people to kind of think about in terms of their instructions. Um, can you always get everyone that does something in a mass confrontation? Is it possible? Is it, should you? Good question. You should, yeah. Um, you should? So if, if you see everyone do something, do you think it's correct to give everyone a yellow card? Yeah. You think so? Okay. Well, if, if they're involved, yeah. But in, in the grand scheme of things, there's only three of you and there's 22 of them. Yeah. Um, you're not getting everyone out here. There's always going to be someone that gets away with something. Sure. So We've seen many mass cons, haven't we, though, where um, you've got a referee who's, um, some would use the term card happy, um, where you've given... John, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've given your reds or you've given your yellows and then you go and dish out five or six more. Now, some people might go, yeah, that's fair enough. It you spotted everything. Yeah. Others would say, was there need? Because there was handbags from three players of each team. Did you need to have another six yellows? Or did you? could you have just had your red and two yellows for those players who started off in the first place? So there's no rights or wrongs, as we said before. Um, it just depends on what meets the situation. Um, obviously, expectations are very high for you at that level. So, Go on, Jake. You, you wanted to say something? I think it's, you've also got to look at it. Is it fair? Mm -hmm. For example, if you've got two yellows for blue and one yellow for red, we need to try and find another red caution somewhere mm -hmm. because then it's fair. You've left the situation. Everyone's got the same. And, for example, for me, unless if you've got... A, like, for example, a red player punching a blue player and the blue player standing there with his hand up going, I'm literally not doing anything. Yeah. I'm obviously sending off the player that's punching and probably and not doing anything about the guy that's been hit. However, if they're both going at it, they're both... It's, it's the fairness of the situation, I think. Sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. So talk us through what you do. Once you've, once you've identified... You've personally identified your what you're going to do. What is the conversation like with your assistants? You bring both of them together? Do you speak to them separately? What's your process around that? John, I think you mentioned that you speak to them both together. Yeah, I mean, you, if you're all there and all three of you are at the incident, like, if you all take a step back as the three, you look as a united front, um, you talk to them together. Because otherwise what happens is you go over to one and he goes, yeah, red, red, red. And then you go to another bar and he goes, yeah, this one, this one, this one. So it's just a little bit more like 
hassle and hard work walking over to one, walking over to another. Yeah. Uh, get it all done. You look like a team. You've made this decision as a team as well. It just looks looks better. Okay, cool. Jake, what do you do? No, 100%. I speak to mine, to, uh, speak to mine together. Um, but in regards to what I actually want from them is very minimal. Okay. Um, I want... I first of all, I let them lead the conversation. So I don't want to be, I don't want to go to them. I've seen this, this, and this, and then they go, actually, I don't know what you've seen, but I don't know what I've seen. So I'm going to say the same as what you have. Sure. At least if I lead them to start the conversation, I can then add what they've seen to what I've seen. Yeah. And then we can go through it quickly together. But mainly I want to know red five, kicked blue six that's it great i don't need to know anything else yeah that's that that incident there that that's the fight that told me violent conduct and you're not asking them yeah exactly that you're not asking them for red kicked red five kicked blue seven and then you're not asking them to say red card or yellow card right you no. you want them to describe the level of the kick, right? If it was a trip or an actual proper kick, and then you make the decision from that information. Yeah, I've had so many assistants go, oh, number six needs to be sent off. Yeah. Right? Great. Why? What's he done? Well, he's, or especially in, with the whole descent thing, he's told me to do this. He said this. He said that. Right, that's not the, that's not the conversation I want to be having with you. It's, right, we need to talk and you need to go through the process. Don't jump straight in and go, he needs a caution, he needs a red, because it doesn't solve anything. It doesn't help the referee with the decisions that he needs to then make. Not only that, but it doesn't help you explain it to the players once no. you've administered it, right? So that's super interesting. Um, cool. What happens afterwards, right? So mass confrontations can happen at any point during the game. Normally they happen. Would you say it's normally based on a bad challenge? Probably 90%. Is there any other reason? The majority of the time. Um, however, I will confidently say that um, a mass confrontation can come from a referee being the way they are or the way they are refereeing a match, in my opinion. Uh -huh. I think a lot of referees will always go, oh, well, it's down to the players and try and defend themselves. But actually, you've got to take a step back, analyse and go, well, you know what? Actually, the way I've done this game, I've tried to... Well, loads of people say referees are arrogant, don't they? That's what a load of... It's what we're known to be. We're all arrogant so-and-sos. Well, actually, if you just referee the game properly, um, create a careful relationship with players and manage the game you're probably going to prevent these sorts of situations. I agree with you. It can come mainly from a big decision, a game-changing decision, a key match decision, a penalty or a red card or a serious offence, if you like. But it can actually come from a throw-in, believe it or not, because I'm not saying you give a throw-in, suddenly players kick off. However, if you give a throw-in, which was the wrong way, and 90% of the people in the ground think that, Suddenly, the game's gone from here to here. Up a bit, and yeah. The volume's increased. Then the challenges start coming, and you're saying to yourself, hang on, we've just had a lovely game of football the last hour. What's happened? Yeah. And that's where, the in my opinion, the best referees would go, 
know what, that throne where everyone had a go at me and I stuck with it, I've gone, that's, that's where it escalated. So, Joel, is this something that you, like, you, you say referees, some referees, has this happened in your history? Is this something you've learned from, from your own game that maybe a mass confrontation's happened where you think back and you were like, well, maybe I could have dealt with that slightly better? I feel like yeah. it's probably happened to me. Yeah, yeah, I certainly, I'm trying to think if it's created a mass, or it's had a real mass con about it. I mean, I've certainly had games where I've lost control, and mm -hmm. I, I will 100% admit that. Um, and I'll admit it because it's helped me be the referee I am today, where I've given a decision, people have argued it, and actually, the team where I've awarded it, they've stayed silent because they know I'm wrong and they've benefited from it. Yeah. Um, and I've gone, no, no, it's this, it's that. And I've been a bit. Um, or probably probably arrogant if you like <laughs> sure. and, and I think actually you look back now and you think just use your common sense people are laughing at you you've given the decision and then in the last few seasons if it's happened I've blown the whistle gone sorry lads gone the other way and you get a little bit of crap in the ear and someone will go you know what I mean did you have a drink last night and you have a bit of banter with them <laughs> yeah but actually you go, yeah, I'll take that one on the chin. And suddenly, you've got that respect because you've admitted mistake. From, yep. You've got a certain amount of respect from players and you've prevented the game going up here again. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I, I was just going to ask you that. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Is like, can you preempt that temperature going up by just holding your hand up and saying, sorry, I might have made a mistake there. Luckily, it's only a throw-in at the halfway line, so let's get on with it kind of thing. You probably don't want to be putting your hand up on a penalty decision or a red card decision. <laughs> no, that, that one, take it on the chin. <laughs> Give a penalty, unless you're incorrect in law, which is something we, uh, uh, or I personally would speak to my assistants, mm -hmm. um, unless I'm incorrect in law, I take it on the chin if a penalty is given and he possibly not. Yeah, just... yeah, sure. Um, Jake, do you, would you agree with that? It's mainly the. Is there any anything we're missing there? Is there any other reason why mass confrontation? I guess maybe if a team's losing pretty badly, that will bring up their temperature a little bit. I'm just trying to think yeah. if we're referees and we're analysing our game and we're trying to figure out what might happen in the next 20 minutes. What are the signs that might we might be thinking about looking for? that a mass confrontation might be occurring, you know, and how do we nip that in the bud? I mean, it, it doesn't always have to be between a home player and an away player. It can be within its own camp. You can have two two home players, two away players. I mean, look at the, remember the Lee Bowyer incident yeah. when he was at Newcastle. Yeah, cheers That's guys, I'm a Newcastle players. fan. We have to, <laughs> have to mention this. That could have come together and, <laughs> okay, it was only a handful of players that got involved, but... That happens more frequently in lower... Pitches, Precisely. Yeah. When someone says something that maybe they shouldn't have said, or something, someone says something that someone else doesn't really like, or tells them a an honest opinion on something, um, and then obviously temperature rises within their own band, um, and, and those are the difficult ones because you've just got to keep an eye on the guys that are ticking. I think it's one of those you've just got to be aware of the guys that you know might cause an issue at some stage. Um, and a lot of that comes down to player knowledge. Yeah. The more you referee a team, the more you will know within that team who are the guys you can work with, who are the guys are, will say something, who got what guys are the ticking time bomb. Um, and there, for example, there's, there's loads of guys that I that I refereed on the on the Sussex County League that 
you know that they are just a ticking time bomb before they either have a pop at one of their own players or one of the oppositions and you know that it's kind of going to be circled around them in that direction. Cool. All right, so so we've talked about what you talk about before the game with the assistants. You talk about process around mass confrontation uh, and maybe tools to identify when it's going to happen. What about afterwards? So let's leave it. Let's let's end the podcast on talking about how you deal with after a mass confrontation when you're about to restart you your assistant or you figured out the right way to restart the game. Do you referee differently from there there on out? Let's say you've had a couple of red cards. What changes? What do you do for the next five minutes? Does anything happen? Kill it. Kill it completely. I, I kill it. I so what what kill what, it. what does it, what what does that mean for for the like a new referee or a level seven referee when they go out with their the, the a level five level four level three and they say after this we're going to kill it? What does kill it mean? Bring the temperature right down. Because you've had that big hot spot and you just want to bring the tempo down because everyone, there's that stage where everyone's still got their wits about them and they're still a little bit hyped up because of what's just happened. So if you can bring the temperature down on the game, it makes your life a lot easier. So what you'll find is you'll find a lot of referees giving free kicks that probably, they know, probably aren't really free kicks. (laughs) Yeah. But especially in non-dangerous positions, such as a defender going towards his own 18-yard line and into the, uh, into the corner, into his own corners, yep. whether that's in front of the assistant or over the far side, you'll find even the smallest of nudges or whatever, they're given. Just give them because it will just allow the game to settle in and flow. And then if, it's in the, if the big challenge comes in in the 60th minute, by the 70th minute, or 65th minute, you've had five minutes of giving the little, then you can start to Rain let it flow again. a little bit more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then if you need to pull it back in, you can do so. So it's all about being able to just kind of let it flow and, and not let the temperature get as high as what it was when the first challenge came in. Yeah. Brilliant. Joe, anything different? No, very similar. Just in that situation, after a mascon, it's going to be a majority of soft fouls is the term used a lot of the time by players and clubs. And, oh, ref, come on, mate, let us play. And then if you let them play, then it builds up and you have a red card. So just, yeah, give the soft ones, ease the game off as you go on. People talk about the uh, analogy of walking the dog to the park. When you walk mm. in and leave the house, it's always trying to put away from you all the time and you've got to keep it close to you. So by doing that, you're giving lots of little fouls. And then as you get closer to the park and the game eases off, you can give, give the dog a bit more leeway, give it a bit more uh, of an area to run around. So it's exactly like that. And then when the game starts heating up and the dog starts taking the mick out of you, then you bring it back in and you start again. I love that ana- analogy. And I feel I think that's a great analogy to end on. I love analogies. That's perfect. Walking the dog to the park and letting him go. And then if he's when it's time to uh, go home, just put it back on it again. Yeah, it's perfect. Or be like me, just get a cat and then you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Jake, Joel, thank you so much for your time uh, this week. Uh, John, thanks for setting it all up and and, uh, and and figuring out all of the content for this week. Um, 
we would love to invite you back in the future. Um, so definitely uh, give us a shout when you're free. Uh, to all those listening, hopefully that helped. Uh, firstly, we talked about the MLS incident, the the kicks from a penalty mark, all of the kind of nuances around the laws there. So hopefully you learned something or hopefully we were able to clear up some of those uh, incidents in, in, in your head. Um, and then we've talked about mass confrontation. So our processes that it's not the right answer. We, we're just telling you what we do, what we, what we look to, um, to, to put in place when, when we identify mass confrontation, how we handle it. So if you've learned from that, um, that's all we can hope for, uh, take one, one of those things away. What, um, and that's great. And you can add that to your game. Um, please do give us a shout. If you have any questions, uh, feel free to, uh, email us feel free to give us a tweet or send us a message on facebook or instagram but uh for this week thank you very much for listening and we will see you again next week thanks guys for coming on see you guys no problem